Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And we have the physicians who are the healthcare providers that people are most often interacting with have literally never taken even a single class on nutrition. And that, I believe, is a huge part of this problem because it's often I see doctors who are writing books about nutrition and I'm like, what do you know about this? Here on Hot Takes on a Plate, my guests and I explore the things that make you feel and how those feelings collide with food. I'm Rob Patron, and right now, I'm feeling confused. I'm going to be talking nutrition and healthy eating with my friend, Allison Buckingham. She's a licensed dietitian nutritionist who's also working on her PhD in behavioral nutrition at Columbia. She's also one of the owners of Paralandra Natural Foods in Brooklyn Heights. So she's about as smart on all of this as anyone you will ever meet. And Allison, I am confused because nutrition, it feels like a rabbit hole of just conflicting information. I feel like I know about as much about food as you know most people and i i can't figure certain things out because you read one thing then you read something else it's not as simple anymore as just reading labels and reading fat and reading sugar and reading calories and I, my head is going to explode and as somebody who suffered a heart attack a little over a year ago i take this stuff seriously and i don't know what i'm doing anymore so I wanted to have you on so we could talk about some of the myths out there and just try to give a semblance of clarity to people. So yeah. so let, 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 let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit. Um, let's start with this idea of ones. I feel like one of the, and tell me if I'm right or wrong in this. I feel like one of the issues with nutrition is that we've fallen into this sort of trap of like one size fits all where it's like, you know, people want an absolute definition on things. And maybe part of the problem is certain foods don't have an absolute definition. Certain foods, it really depends on the individual and their bodies. Is that correct? I mean, uh, there's some indication. There are researchers that are starting to look at that, that are starting to look at more like personalized nutrition. But I, I would argue that the science does actually suggest that there is sort of a one size fits all as far as increasing lifespan, reducing mortality. You know, the research that we have is really clear that more fruits, more vegetables, more beans, more whole grains, those are the things that extend lifespan and reduce mortality. It's very clear. So if you look at the recommendations from the Department of Agriculture and from most nutritionists, that's why for people who are educated in nutrition, you're basically going to hear the same thing. Where I think the problem lies is that there's so much misinformation and there's so much misinformation because I think there isn't a standardized nutrition curriculum that's available to people, right? Like, did you get any nutrition education when you were in school? A little, but you know, when I think back to school, it was, you know, the, the, the pyramid, you remember the pyramid. Yeah. Useless. Yeah. Nobody, nobody used the food pyramid. I would say what we have now, my plate is a lot better, but still most people don't use it and aren't, aren't aware of it. Um, but I think that's a big part of the problem, right? Because if you grow up with no foundation or no understanding of what healthy eating looks like, then you're so much more likely to be persuaded by a Facebook ad, right? Or by something that you read, a headline that you read in the newspaper. If you don't have a solid background to reference and say, does this make sense? Then it's like, hmm, well, this person has doctor in their name. This is probably true. Well, the New right. York Times 
reporting on this. If the New York Times is reporting on it, then this must be the case. Well, well, yeah. So you hit on a couple things that I think about a lot. One, are the people reporting on this stuff knowledgeable enough to be reporting on it? And two, there's so many special interest groups who are lobbying for certain things. I know somebody... Uh, an old friend of mine who I'm not super in touch with anymore, but uh, we went back a long ways and started our careers sort of on the same path. And then he sort of split into um, he's in PR now and he works for a massive uh, he basically works for the meat industry. Yeah. And and he he and and some of the things I've seen him put out, I kind of have to laugh at because I'm going, OK, come on, dude, like don't don't tout the the, the greatness of factory you know, produce, you know, like just slaughterhouse types. Come on, man. Like, but, but that's what you're fighting against, you know? So it's, 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 it's it's the special interest. And even with research, that's one of the first things that I always look at is to look at disclosures and conflicts of interest because so much research and research that's published in good, good quality journals, you'll see, you know, there's an article about, I don't know, blueberries and brain function. And in conflicts and disclosure, you'll see, well, this research was supported by the National Blueberry Council. Like who even knew there was a National Blueberry Council? (laughs) There's always a council, Allison. There's always a council. But I think one of the things that's really challenging about food is we all bring our own biases and emotions to it. It's actually not that different from politics when you think about it, right? Like if you are a Democrat, or Republican, whatever you are, you're going to hear something and try to make it fit your box because you don't want to look at the other box. You want it to fit your box. And I feel like food is that way because we know what we like. If you are a meat eater, you want to think meat is healthy. You want, you want that to fit that box. If you are vegan, you want things to fit the vegan box. Like it's our own biases. Am I right? It's true. I mean, that's like a real psychological concept called confirmation bias is that we will shut out information that doesn't match what we have ingrained in our brains. And I think you're right. You know, nutrition and eating is very complex. I mean, it's there's so many different factors that affect it. Right. There's like psychological stuff. There's genetic stuff. There's environmental stuff economics, uh, cultural influences. There's so many different influences that it's not just as straightforward as somebody saying to you, well, these are the foods that are healthy and somebody going, oh, okay, I'm going to eat them. You know, there's a million different other things that influence that. So, um, I mean, I think that that is a, a big issue too, is that it's not, it's not just enough to present someone the information and say, these are healthy foods. We really need to have more of a holistic view of how we can facilitate the consumption of those foods, maybe by making environmental changes or, you know, economic changes or being more culturally aware when we're giving that information of like, this is where this person is coming from and and culturally this isn't going to work for them or in their family, this isn't going to work for them. Um, It's not enough to just be like, eat more fruits and vegetables. But I guess my question to you then is obviously nutritionists bring biases to things as well. Um, so you might hear conflicting information from from professionals, from from the experts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that can be true. I would say by and large, if you're talking to a registered dietitian and you need to think of dietitians as the nutrition experts, dietitians are the people who actually have degrees in nutrition. They are licensed in nutrition. Um, there's 
there's a, I think there's some confusion between the term nutritionist and dietitian. They're used interchangeably, but in most states, the, the licensed nutritionist, it's not, it's not a regulated license. So dietitian is a nationally and state regulated license. So if you talk to somebody who has that in their name, then you know that they do actually have a background in nutrition. Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, literally anyone. So, um, that's, that's good. That's good information to know. So if you're looking for a professional, if you're, if you're somebody who's like, I, I need help, you should look for a dietitian, absolutely. a licensed dietitian. Exactly. So anyone who calls themselves a dietitian has that name in their license. That's somebody that you can trust actually has been to school for nutrition and dietetics. They've had to do uh, an internship that was supervised by somebody licensed and they had to pass a board exam and get licensed by the state. So though dietitians are the nutrition experts. And I think that's part of the issue is often and I read things about nutrition. When I look at who's talking, I'm like, who is this person? And I'll look them up and there's no information about their credentials. They'll have a PhD, but where is the PhD from? Mm. What is it in? Did they get the PhD from like a degree mill somewhere? You know, it's like what... That that's a I think that's a huge part of the problem is that there are people who are really good at PR and good at marketing but don't necessarily have the background. But I think by and large, if you're talking to dietitians, there's pretty good consensus on what the recommendations are. I mean, there are standards of care and standards of practice. Well, this is so, how I feel you know, about. I was gonna say this is how I feel about diets in general. Like I hate the word diet personally because I feel like it's something that sets you up for you hit a goal and then you regress. Like I'm all about like lifestyle changes. That's like the word I like to use because it's something that you're going to, to try to stick to. And especially with diets, you know, everything is about a fad diet. You know, you hear all these different terms like keto and you know, whatever. And it's Atkins there was back in the day. And it's like all these weird things where just eat this or just do that. And I just, I'm like, I, I just feel like these things are just, are just crazy. Like, I, like, what do you think about the word diet? And do you believe in, in so-called dieting as it pertains to these very specific, not necessarily like specifically keto, but like these specific sort of like, we're going to set you up with these rules that you have to follow. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I use that term to just describe the food that you eat. You know, I think it's, uh, it's problematic for people to, to diet. I agree with you that there needs to be bigger, bigger changes. Cause like I said, you can't just prescribe somebody a diet and have them stick to it and have them have it work. Um, I do think it sets people up for, for failure. So, you know, I, I think one of the big things is, um, more of a holistic education about the way that the food that you consume impacts your body and impacts the environment and sort of thinking about things in a bigger, a bigger picture sort of way. Um, you know, and I think somebody like you, like it makes so much sense to me that you're confused about nutrition, right? Because I know after you had your heart attack, you were probably like, I need to, I need to make some changes. I need to do some work. And who did you talk to? Well, I mean, I talked to my doctor, but like, honestly, the doctor's attitude was sort of like, look, like the doctor was straight. He was like, look, you need to eat healthy, but also you're on so many medicines now, <laughs> like powerful, powerful, powerful medicines that they literally don't prescribe to you unless you've had a heart attack because the risks involved are just, they're just too high with the side effects. So it's like, 
you know, this is going to kind of buffer you. Like, you know, don't go out and eat buffets or whatever. Don't go crazy. But like, you know, it's not like you have to be perfect with your diet because, but at the same token, psychologically, you're like, no, I, I need to be perfect. Like I, you know, and, and that was a big thing with me. And so I, I don't, I'll throw out kind of what my diet's been. I'm curious, like what you think of it. Cause I don't know if it's necessarily been perfect. Like my attitude was, you know, one moderation, like just, just, you know, common sense, like just don't gorge yourself. Like when you're full stop, don't, don't keep eating, you know, like give yourself, you know, pace yourself, eat throughout the day in, in smaller portions. Um, I cut fat, you know, I mean, I, I went obvious. It's like, all right, I have high cholesterol, cut fat. And so I don't eat red meat anymore. Um, I'm not going to say I haven't, I haven't had it in the last year, but like the amount of times I've had it is so negligible. I think maybe in the last year I've had like meatballs once. And like, I think I once had like half of a roast beef sandwich. Like, I mean, it's like nothing. Like I, I haven't, I have not cooked. I used to cook steak maybe once a week or once every other week. I have not cooked a steak since my heart attack. I haven't had a, I have not had a hamburger since my heart attack. Um, I, you know, in terms of proteins, I eat chicken, I eat turkey. Um, Ground turkey has sort of been my substitute for everything now. Um, I eat a lot more fruits and vegetables. Um, I start every day with Greek yogurt, granola. You know, I try to watch the sugar in the granola and, you know, blueberries, blackberries, whatever. Um, you know, uh, I have cut, you know, I've, I haven't eliminated sugar, but I've definitely cut sweets and dessert down. Um, I, I have, you know, cut alcohol tremendously. Um, I wasn't like a heavy, heavy drinker, but I was somebody who'd come home from work and have like a glass of wine or a beer, you know, yeah. you know, maybe more nights than not. And now I might have like a drink once a month, maybe even once every other month. Um, and just doing those things. And I will say the one thing I haven't cut is carbs. Like I still eat pasta. I still eat pizza. Although now I try to eat pizza without the cheese. I, I, I order a lot of tomato pies. Um, and I lost over 30 pounds just by doing that. And it wasn't even like a diet. I wasn't trying to lose weight. I was just trying to like, I didn't have a goal and my body just sort of leveled off at some point. It just said, all right, you know, you were, you know, I think I was 211 when I had my heart attack. I had been as probably as high as 215 and I'd gotten into the 170s and now my body just kind of leveled off. It's like kind of fluctuates in the 170s. And so that's just kind of what I did. Um, does that sound like a, a path to success for you? Well, I mean, it certainly sounds like it has been for you. I mean, it's interesting. You you took this sort of common sense approach after being given basically no guidance by your doctor. And that's why I was curious to know where you went because, you know, you should have talked to a dietitian because doctors, the vast majority of medical schools in the U.S. do not require even a single nutrition class for their doctors not a single nutrition class. So think about that. The fact that, you know, the top 10 leading causes of death in the US, the vast majority of them are diet related, right? We have things like cardiovascular disease, cancers, like colon cancer, breast cancer, you know, have dietary links, kidney disease, all of these things that are related to our chronic illnesses related to dietary issues. And we have the physicians who are the healthcare providers that people are most often interacting with. 
have literally never taken even a single class on nutrition. And that I believe is a huge part of this problem because it's it's often I see doctors who are writing books about nutrition and I'm like, what do you know about this? It's funny you say that because I, I went into, I went down some rabbit hole one day where I was looking at, I don't know if it was like a, a web, a, a link through maybe my, you know, my hospital's website or something like that. It was something written by a doctor hospital, something affiliated with where I've been. And it was like, you know, tips for like healthy eating after a heart attack. And honestly, it looked like it could have been written in like 1980. Like it was just so like basic in a way that was like not really helpful. Like it was like, you know, grill your food, don't fry it. Well, like no crap. Like, you know, like, of course, like I've cut fried foods. I, I eat a lot of fish now. Like, of course I do. You know, like I, I just, I don't know. Um, I totally uh, see what you're saying with that. But before we go any further, Allison, this is going to be a weird sort of transition. We're going to transition from, from health to sneakers for a minute because we have a new sponsor here on Hot Takes on a Plate, and it's eBay. You know what eBay is good for? It, Like I said, it's good for sneakers. You, you don't want to look like everyone else, right? You want those rare kicks, the vintage, the retro. That's what you'll find on eBay. eBay has an authenticity guarantee. They verify the box, the logo, the stitching, all of it. And if you're a seller, you're protected with a verified return process. And eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over a hundred bucks, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Allison, I know you probably have some sneakers in your closet you want to sell. I actually don't know. I just made that up. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Okay, now back to health. <laughs> Hard transition back. I want to throw some foods at you, Allison, um, that are confusing. Okay. that people sort of debate, um, that you hear conflicting things from doctors about. Okay. And I want to know kind of your thoughts. Okay. Um, the first one I want to throw at you is the incredible edible egg. Okay. Just first, just let's just start first. And then I want to get into like egg whites versus whole eggs. So what is your stance on eggs? I think they are definitely part of a healthy diet. I mean, they have a lot of protein in them. The yolks have a fair amount of cholesterol, um, but I think for the vast majority of people, the amount of cholesterol in an egg isn't going to uh, put them in a precarious position. I think for somebody like you who has, you know, hereditary high cholesterol, dietary cholesterol is an issue. But for the vast majority of people, dietary cholesterol isn't going to be what pushes them into the, the state of cardiovascular disease. So, so it is kind of specialized. So like someone like me should probably lay off the eggs, which I have yeah. been. I mean, yeah, you have hereditary high cholesterol. You've had a heart attack at a young age. I would say, I, you know, I wouldn't even say lay off the eggs. I would say limit it to one or two a week. Okay. You know, they are a really great source of protein. They have, there's a B vitamin in eggs called choline that is really important um, in um, brain functioning. And there's not a lot of foods that contain choline. Eggs is a really, they're a really good source of it. And they're one of the only good sources of choline. Does so it I matter? Eat a couple times a week. Does it matter egg whites versus whole eggs? I would eat the whole eggs because honestly, the yolks are where all the nutrition is. But you see, this is one of those things. This is like the yeah. rabbit hole. We've been being told now for, for, for decades that egg whites, like that's the healthy thing. Avoid the yolk. That's the, the yolk has all the fat. 
I would eat the whole thing. And, you know, I feel like that, that sort of speaks to my broader philosophy about food, which is to eat the actual food. I think where we get ourselves into trouble is when we are isolating things and removing things and saying, oh, this is the healthy part. Well, let's just assume that this exists the way that it exists because it's supposed to. Exist. All right. Now, now I'm going to play devil's advocate. Well, what about, right. what about chicken? Do you eat the chicken skin? Yeah. Really? I would say again, somebody like you. I would be, I would say, um, I would tell you to remove the chicken skin. The vast majority of the time, you should remove it. Every once in a while, I don't think it's a big deal. But for somebody like you, I would say, yeah, you probably should. But I will say, you know, you are also sort of. Um, I'm an anomaly. I'm you weird. Are an anomaly. <laughs> you are an anomaly in that you do have such high you know, high hereditary cholesterol and having a heart attack at such a young age. Like that is what makes me, you know, give you different recommendations than I would give to most people. I think in moderation, chicken skin is fine. But yeah, so I guess this whole like one size fits all, it it doesn't always fit all because everybody's body is different. Yeah, everybody's body is different. But I guess what I mean by one size fits all is there's sort of general rules. General. Yeah, like yeah. eating more fruits and vegetables, making your grains whole grains, eating more plant-based sources of protein than animal-based sources of protein, but not eliminating animal-based sources of protein unless you choose to, unless that's the way that you choose to eat. Um, those are sort of the overarching dietary things that I feel like are, you know, you talk to any dietitian and they're going to say, yeah, you should be eating more fruits and vegetables. You and should most of your grains, whole grains. I just want to point out, like when we talk about sort of science, and I know you're obviously a big believer in science, like you are not a meat eater, but you're saying it's okay to eat meat in moderation. It's okay to eat, you know, animal based proteins because you're, you're, you're looking at this, not from your own point of view, but from a, a, a bigger point of view. Yeah, exactly. I've been vegan for 23 years. I've been vegan for a long time. But I don't ever counsel people in vegan diets unless they come to me desiring to be vegan. Now, there is a lot of research that shows that plant-based diets are supportive of all different types of health improvements. But those are, it's plant-based diets and plant-based is different than vegan, right? Like plant-based is people who are eating more plants than animals, but not necessarily completely eliminating animals. There are very few populations in the world that have ex- exclusively entirely vegan diets. Most populations, even like in India, where vast majority of the population is uh, vegetarian, they're not vegan, they eat dairy products. You know, so I think um, for most people, that's probably the best diet is something that's uh, sort of a mostly vegan with small amounts of high quality animal products. Well, and I think where we kind of as a, as a global society sort of went wrong and why we have issues with obesity and health is that we're, we're consuming larger quantities of things we've always consumed in some ways. Like, you know, certain fatty meats have been a staple of so many diets for, for generations and generations, but they were looked at as like celebratory meals. You know, they weren't things that you ate five nights a week. They were things you ate maybe once a month, you know, and now we've turned it into like an everyday thing. Yeah. I mean, you say five nights a week, but I mean, you think most people are eating meat every meal of every day in the U S at least. And you look at like a a place like China where it's, you know, most people in China aren't vegetarian. They eat meat, but they eat small amounts of meat. They'll use it as flavoring for something, 
and to add texture to something instead of being the primary focus of the meal. The primary focus of the meal is often vegetables or grains. And that's just, the, that is entirely different from uh, what the standard American diet looks like at this point. Well, and talking about, mar- we were talking earlier about marketing. I feel like there's such a, a double-edged sword about it because like you see these restaurants that will call themselves healthy restaurants. And I feel like the minute you say that you're, you're just basically like killing yourself. You're dead on arrival because that's got basically healthy people look at it and they go, that's not going to taste good. And you know, some of the healthiest foods are some of the most delicious, but with the minute you label it as healthy, you're basically saying I'm taking out the flavor. Like that's sort of the code word yet on the flip side, I get really mad when I see places try to capitalize on the word organic when it's like, like, you know, they're like, I look at like, not to throw anyone under the bus, but not to throw anyone under the bus, but like bear burger. It's like, great. You're organic. Congratulations. It's burgers and shakes. Like, I don't care. Like is an organic shake maybe more ethical or in some ways better than a, a non-organic shake. Sure. But it's still a freaking milkshake. Like it's still got to have a lot of fat and it's not healthy. Yeah. Well, I think there's, you know, talking about it from the marketing perspective, that's trying to give something unhealthy, a health halo. And I would say, you know, if you're going to have a burger and a shake, particularly animal foods, um, eating them from organic sources, you know, they're, Organic meat actually has a healthier fatty acid profile than conventionally produced meat. But it's so not I, healthy. It's not no, healthy. A milkshake isn't healthy by any stretch. Is it better for the environment? Yes. Yeah, I would say like, yeah. but is it something that I'm going to say, well, geez, if it's organic, then yeah, you should have that milkshake every day. Definitely not. And I, I agree with you. You know, that's, uh, again, I think that goes back to my original issue of total lack of nutrition education is that most people don't even know what organic means. And they use the terms organic, natural, healthy, interchangeably thinking that they all mean the same thing, but they actually don't mean the same thing at all. And I think, you know, something being labeled organic is often seen as, uh, well, this gives me permission. These cookies are organic. Well, these are healthier. I'm going to eat these all the time. And it's like, no, they're still cookies. Yeah, exactly. Sugar in it was grown in a way that's more environmentally friendly, but that doesn't mean you should just eat them all the time. So what about... So, but most people don't know that. So another thing that I get confused about now, because I, I thought I knew, but now I read things and I don't know, butter. Now, yeah. let me just tell you, I Googled earlier, just I was curious what would happen if I Googled is butter healthy? And this is the first thing that comes up. Yeah. It says butter is rich in nutrients and beneficial compounds like butyrate. I, I don't know how, how to pronounce this word. Uh, butyrate, B-U-T-butyrate, and, and congelated lye. Yes. Thank you. High fat dairy products like butter have been linked to a reduced risk of obesity, diabetes, and heart problems. Still butter is high in calories and saturated fat and should be enjoyed in moderation. So right there, high fat dairy products like butter have been linked to a reduced risk of obesity, diabetes, and heart problems. Do you agree with that? Uh, Well, I mean, there's conflicting research on that. So I actually would say um, I would eat butter over margarine myself. Yes, that that that, that I have seen. Um, yeah. and, and can you explain why? Yeah, well, because uh, butter is it's a natural food. Margarine is really just it's a processed food made of a blend of oils. 
um, and for many years, and there still are a lot of hydrogenated margarines on the market. This is actually sort of an interesting, the case of margarine is sort of an interesting look into what you're talking about specifically, because 40 and 50 years ago, nutritionists were saying margarine. It's, it's all the high fat animal products that are causing heart disease. We need to have people start eating margarine instead of butter. Well, nothing changed, right? Like heart disease increased, it didn't decrease. And what we now know is that hydrogenated oils are actually significantly more harmful than the saturated fats that are in full fat dairy products. So, um, you know, what I call butter healthy, no, I would say eat it in moderation, have it be one of the small amounts of high quality animal products that you incorporate into your diet. Uh, don't eat it. Uh, don't eat margarine instead of butter. But it's being marketed the way like olive oil gets marketed as a heart healthy fat. Yeah, no, I wouldn't call it a heart healthy fat. But but the first thing when you Google is butter healthy, it's basically saying it is saying it should be enjoyed in moderation. But the first thing you're seeing is that it's basically going to reduce obesity, diabetes and heart problems. The first thing when you Google it. Yeah. Well, so that's actually another thing. So looking at research, this is this is another thing that I think contributes to this problem is total statistical illiteracy uh, on the part of basically everybody who isn't a scientist. (laughs) And it's a problem. Like I genuinely think statistics should be taught in like starting in elementary school and starting in high school. So people are able to actually look at information and make accurate deductions from that information. So, you know, I think a good example of this is, um, Speaking about the media, a lot of people get their nutrition information from the media, right? Like you're looking on the internet. I don't know what you're looking at, but you know, if it's like a news report or something, you know, you see something and I feel like you see something like that every day. X food reduces the risk of blah, blah, blah by 50%. You're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Well, I, that must be healthy. I need to start eating that. So this is something that is, uh, of hot, hot debate in the scientific community because this is information being presented in the form of relative risk. This is a 50% relative risk reduction. The way the information should actually be presented should be the absolute risk reduction because what if somebody told you, well, the absolute risk of that disease is 3% and by consuming this food, it reduces it to 1.5%. That's a lot less exciting, right? No, that's, the, a good, that's a great point. Well, if the original risk is 3%, you're hey, like, well, who, the likelihood of me getting that, who cares? I will tell you the three foods that we see this done the most with, I, I feel like, when it comes to like headlines that are like, oh my God, this is actually healthy. We see it with coffee. We yes. see it with All dark we see it we see it with dark chocolate. Yes. And we see it with red wine. So coffee, dark chocolate, red wine, really fast. Like your thoughts on them. Uh, in moderation, I would say they all offer some amount of health benefit because they do all have uh, some. They do all have nutrients that have been shown to actually impact the cardiovascular system in positive ways. So again, small amounts. You know, people want licenses to eat as much as they want of the foods they love. I mean, and it's really just about moderation. Like, like it's it, almost like eat what you want, just don't be a glutton. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, like, look at France. Balance. Look at France. Just have balance. Like, like eat what you want. Don't be a glutton, but don't forget your fruits and vegetables, people. Like that's kind of like the common sense way to approach it. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, I would say eat foods. Don't eat processed foods. So eat foods in moderation is basically if you want to, if you want to just 
simplify it as much as possible. Eat what you like as long as it's real food and eat it in moderation. All right. So I've got one that I, I went, this is, it's going to be a weird rabbit hole, but I'm dying to know your thoughts on this one. Um, yep. So I was writing, I was working on a piece for a publication recently and I was writing about my old diet and I, I was playing with alliteration and I was going to write something about how, how many Al Pastor and Autobata tacos I used to consume. And, and, you know, in my head, I'm going, God, that's not healthy. Cause I mean, you just look at an Al Pastor or an Autobata. It's, it's, it's on a spit. It, the, the fat is literally dripping off the meat. <laughs> it's, you know, and, and next thing you know, I'm looking it up and it's like, I, I stumbled into some article talking about how Al Pastor tacos are actually healthy and they're healthier than some things that I, I actually Googled are Al Pastor tacos healthy? And the first thing that comes up is this little paragraph that says that a study showed that eating an order of five traditional Al Pastor con toto is healthier than having just a fiber bar. And so, I mean, you know, oh my God. yeah. Personally, so I would love to see that study. I would love to see the study. I, I mean, that's something that you know is supported by some sort of industry group. No scientist has any vested interest in you know, finding that out without the support of, you know, some company that makes those tacos. Tacos have less fat than donuts, French fries, and even some health bars. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, health bars are a whole other thing. I don't yeah. think bars are particularly healthy because it goes back to what I just said, eat real food. Okay. If you're, you're looking at a bar and you're looking at something that has 30 ingredients, yes, a taco that is a corn tortilla and meat and vegetables and cheese definitely healthier than a five or one bar. I would 100% support that. Statement. Okay. So you ready? Ready? I'm, I'm going to make you mad now, Allison. <laughs> Newsweek. Newsweek. Newsweek is a legitimate news source. Here's your headline from the, their health section. Eat up. Why pork tacos are better for your health than granola or other boring foods from 2017. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, this is what right? Like you're, you're reading it. You want something that sounds sensational and really crazy so you can get people to click on it and read it. I, I wouldn't agree that it's necessarily healthier than granola. It's just a different thing. You know, it's, uh, like well, I said, it's, it's got protein. It's got protein, you know, sure. obviously. And it's got, you know, you're, when you're talking about con toto, you're talking about there's, 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 you know, freshness in there. There's, you know, uh, vegetables and I guess fruit with a pineapple slice on it. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, if you're eating real food, what you're going to, what you're eating is most likely reasonably healthy, unless you're eating it in really excessive quantities. I mean, I would argue, yes, like I said, a corn tortilla and some meat and some vegetables and some cheese, like that's probably fine saying it's healthier than granola. Well, I don't know the way that I make granola. I don't think tacos are healthier than the way I make granola, but also the idea of healthier, like this is, it's this sort of nebulous thing. You right. just have to look at the big picture as opposed to looking at different foods and saying, well, this is healthier than this one. That's you know? why when I had restaurant hunter, you know, I would try to do some quote healthy episodes, but I tried to really watch how I labeled it because something that is, it's just hard to say like what exactly is healthy because you're right. It's like, how do you, you know, like granola, you can't say a catch all it's healthy because some granolas have a lot of added sugar and some don't. I mean, most of them have a ton of added sugar and have a ton of oil, but not all of them. 
you know, but, but interestingly enough, granola is this term, right. That's sort of thrown at people who eat natural foods, right. <laughs> you know, I'm very granola, like what, but I, I don't even think all granola is that healthy. So it's sort of a funny, a funny label that gets assigned to things. So again, tacos are fine, but again, it's moderation. Like, I mean, people have been eating tacos for forever and you know, I, I would hate to see tacos just like disappear for, especially Al Pastor. They're the best ones, but like you can't, you don't eat six of them a day. Like that's. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it really moderation is really key, like moderation and the type of foods that you're, you're eating, you know? Again, okay. make sure they're real foods. I want to get to a couple more quick things. Um, another rabbit hole I went down recently, I eat a lot of Greek yogurt, which mm-hmm. I think most people would say as long as it doesn't have a lot of sugar is healthy. You just got to watch the ones with the high sugar. But I found something online that said the high fat Greek yogurt is actually healthier than low fat Greek yogurt. Is that true? Yeah, well, there is some research that is, has looked at that, that full fat dairy products are actually correlated with better health outcomes and reduced fat dairy products. Even for someone and like me? For somebody like you, um, I actually would probably go with the lower fat dairy product for somebody okay. like me. Okay. Um, but I would say generally it sort of goes back to what I said about eggs, right? Is like food exists in the form in which it's supposed to exist. So with something like reduced fat dairy, you're removing a lot of the fat that would naturally be in something. And like, maybe that food is composed the way that it is because it's supposed to be that way. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we ourselves into trouble by trying to add things and remove things and isolate things. But so here's the, the, the I guess the, if I, I'm trying to sum this all up, the challenge is I'm somebody who likes data. And so like I'm really big into reading labels, but it's not as simple as reading a label. It's not as simple as saying, well, here's the fat content. Here's the saturated fat. Oh, I should avoid that. I should shift to this. It's That's what makes it confusing. Yeah. Well, you're I mean, you're right. It's definitely not as simple as that. And I think part of that is also because, you know, in the. I also like data, but in the world of nutrition, what we have are observational studies. So most, the gold standard for data is a randomized controlled trial, right? You've probably heard of randomized controlled trials. And that is a study that you can draw conclusions from. You don't have a lot of randomized controlled trials in the nutrition world because it's firstly, incredibly expensive and they're very time consuming, but also sometimes it's not ethical, right? Like if we're not going to divide people into two groups and say, this person, this group, we're going to give you this healthy thing. And this group, we're going to tell you to not eat this healthy thing. That's not ethical. So that's part of the problem is there's not, there just isn't great nutrition data. And what we have are these long observational perspective and retrospective studies where we can draw correlations between things like mortality rates and diet, um, lifespan and diet, you know, different health outcomes and diet, but we can't necessarily make causal determinations from these studies because they are just observational. That's part of the problem. There's not a ton of good data. Okay. Last thing I want to throw at you real quickly, carbs. Uh, carbs have gotten the worst name of all in, in recent years. And there was a period where it was the opposite. We were all carbo loading because we were avoiding those animal fats and all those fats. And 
I, I, my take on carbs is that I think sometimes, tell me if I'm wrong, I think sometimes the, the idea that carbs are going to make you gain a lot of weight and whatever, it's overblown. I think what makes you gain weight is eating too many carbs. Um, but I, I still eat pasta a couple times a week and I lost weight somehow on it. I just don't eat as much of it as I used to. I don't eat six servings of it, you know? And so t- t- let's talk about carbs real quick and also gluten, because I feel like this whole like gluten-free thing, it, it's killing me. Like I, I get it. Some people have gluten allergies and it's dangerous, but, but eating gluten-free is not something most people have to worry about. Am I right? Yeah, you're so I, I agree with you on both points. So carbs have definitely gotten a bad rap. The type of carb you're eating, that is absolutely relevant. You should make efforts to eat unprocessed carbohydrates and make the vast majority of the grains that you eat whole grains. Um, but I, I agree with you. I eat, I eat plenty of carbs. Carbs are a great source of nutrition for your brain and for your cells. So I think where the issue comes in is excessive amounts of carbs, which most people eat excessive amounts of carbs and eating highly processed carbs. And, uh, that is really the issue. Most people eat a ton of highly processed carbohydrates and that is not healthy and that will make you gain weight. As far as gluten goes, um, I'm totally with you on that. There are people who have celiac disease or gluten sensitivities and should avoid eating gluten. Otherwise, this that's just massive misinformation that people associate the idea of eating gluten-free with being healthier or losing weight, and it is just not the case. It is not the case. Gluten is found in uh, wheat. It's a protein found in wheat. Whole grain wheat is a very healthy food. And this is the way that I always think about it is, you know, working in a natural food store for many years. Oh my God, I have this conversation all the time where people come in there like, my friend just told me that I should start eating gluten-free bread because it helped her lose weight. It's definitely not true. (laughs) You know, if you look at a whole grain bread that has a ton of protein and a ton of fiber and a ton of vitamins and minerals from the whole grains, and then you compare it to a loaf of gluten-free bread, Gluten-free bread is all starches. It's like potato starch and corn starch and rice flour. There's literally no fiber and no protein, and it's significantly more processed than a loaf of whole grain bread. Those two things are not equal. And if one is going to help you lose weight, it's certainly not the one that's highly processed with basically no nutritional value. So I feel like it's actually counterproductive when some when you're thinking of like, well, I'm just going to swap out these gluten-containing foods for gluten-free foods. You're going to be actually doing yourself a disservice. Allison, thank you for validating what I have been saying for years. <laughs> if you have a gluten allergy, avoid the gluten. If you don't have a gluten allergy, it is safe. <laughs> stop being paranoid. Stop buying into the propaganda. Stop breeding goop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Allison, thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you if they are interested in contacting you and getting dietary and nutrition help? Um, well, I mean, I'm often at my store. You can go to our website, paralandernatural.com, and there's a, a contact link through there. I don't do private nutrition consulting anymore at this point because between my PhD program and my store and my children, I don't have a whole you're, lot of you're, you're pretty busy. I mean, you're, 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 we could, we could do a whole episode on running. I mean, it's, it, we, it's a natural food store, but it's basically, I mean, if you've ever been to Paralandra, it's the size of a, of a supermarket. And so you're running a, a, a pretty big store during a, a global pandemic and we could do a whole, <laughs> a whole episode on that, but yeah, you're, you're pretty busy, but, but Allison, thank you so much for the, the information 
and the time. And again, if you're ever in Brooklyn Heights, check out Paralandra, a, a fantastic place to shop. And and you 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 are the one selecting all the products in that store. So if you liked what you, what you heard from Allison today, she's giving everything in that store the stamp of approval. Yeah. I mean, I choose what we sell. So, so there you go. Well, thank you so much, Allison. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rob Patron TV. Again, we do episodes every other week now, so there will be an episode two weeks from now, a new one, unless I get really mad at the world and just jump on the mic to say something. Um, but yeah, so make sure to check that out. Until next time, I'm Rob Patron. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.